What's the thing that scares you the most? Confined spaces and uh, blood particles in the air, the dark, that coral thing that's been staring at me since I came in here. Chris, I'm scared to death. Welcome to the Sum of All Fear podcast, the show that examines real-life phobias and the horror movies that prey on them. So pour yourself something strong, Feardos, and let's find out what makes you afraid. Pep it up. Come on. You pep it up. Pep it up. I need some pep. Shut your pep. <laughs> oh, this week didn't totally suck balls. Woo! Chris. I know. It didn't totally suck balls. The summer that wasn't uh, actually started to slow down a little bit. Things didn't go, you know, we went four days without a crisis. Knock on wood. Uh, yeah, knock on, knock on wood. Um, and we're actually doing it. We're recording an episode within a week of the old episode. I'm really proud of us. Yay! Yay! High five. Woohoo! Um, we tag team this bitch. We did. We're, we're getting, we get got some shit done. Well, and we also needed to record before... The movie that we were talking about kind of is not is not it's not a thing anymore, a thing you know. Anymore. And we had just seen it, and so it's kind of fresh for everyone. That's always good too, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, we 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 went and you know, we had a nice dinner last night and had some wine. We posted up a picture, you know, at our favorite little Italian restaurant, and actually got to you know kind of kick back and not feel totally stressed out um, for for once. So it's great. That was good. That was good. I'm really happy about that. Um, I don't know about you. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> All week I was like, I am just so happy that things are not up or down and just are. Yeah. I am fine with that. It's nice. Um, well, welcome back. Uh, old Feardos and new Feardos. Um, I'm Drew. I'm a full-time writer and part-time horror nerd. And this is Chris. She's my wife and professional mental health therapist. Um, her idea of a perfect life would be living alone on the Oregon coast with 50 rescue dogs. Um, and I get major FOMO even when someone goes to the DMV without me. With my best friend, Veronica. That's true. Yeah. We've already made this pact because both of our husbands are going to die mysteriously before us. Mysteriously. <laughs> just kidding. You heard it here first. <laughs> this is this is documented now. So just if if I wind up He's uh, already dying like, under mis- mis- mysterious circumstances, I want you guys to- He's already to, uh, like 150 years old. He's uh, a vampire. So. Oh, Robert? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. Um, very true. Um, the podcast has been blowing up this week. I know. Like Thank you crazy, guys. crazy, crazy blowing up this week. Thanks like we've, for listening. We've practically like doubled, um, what our normal kind of downloads and stuff uh, normally are. So huge. Thank you guys to everyone that's been listening and sharing the podcast with your friends. Um, after we dropped that fear of mirrors episode on Monday, uh, we've just went nuts. It went insane. People All of a sudden it was, it was going crazy. So for the famous. Yeah. um so you guys all really rock super hard and we want you to know how much we uh we appreciate you guys and thank you for listening and thank you for sharing it and passing it around and all those things because you know honestly this stuff it really makes a difference and um we saw it this week all of a sudden something took off i don't know it was crazy so um we really appreciate it guys appreciate the the listeners and and um we welcome all the new listeners we i'm guessing there's a few new ones out there so welcome to the feardo family guys um, we're glad you found us. Uh, we want to get to know you. Um, so come join our conversation on social media. Um, we are on Facebook at some of all fear podcast. We are on Twitter and Instagram at some of all fear pod. Um, and if you like the show, you can support us on Patreon. Um, like our awesome beardo friends, James 
from the Eat Channel podcast and Toby from McKinney, Texas. Um, they support us on the Patreon, our very early young Patreon uh, account. Um, and of course, guys, please go to your podcast apps and give us a rating and a review. And we will definitely give you a shout out um, on the podcast and on social media. And we'll send you some stickers if you send us your address. Yes, we want to send stickers out. Send us your address. We got lots address. of stickers, so DM send us your address. Us. We'll, send them, we'll send them to you for sure. Um, so shout outs are really important. I mean, shout outs. Uh, reviews and ratings. Yeah, we were talking about that. Reviews and ratings are awesome. Um, uh, Hick Mama 4 wrote on our uh, Apple iTunes. I got sucked in five stars. I started with the agoraphobia episode. Oh my gosh. Great information about the actual phobia and the clips for honorable mention movies were great. Looking forward to the next episode. Great job, Drew and Chris. So thanks Hick Mama for, and please, if you're an old listener or a new listener and you like what you hear, or you're just mildly entertained, um, be like Hick Mama for, and let us know. Be like Hick Mom. We can use all the help we can get. Damn straight, right? <laughs> in every area need, of our, in every area of our lives, people. We need a sum of all fear. We could use all the help. We need we a support get. group. We need a sum of all fear support group. So we would like to turn our social media into a sum of all fear support group. That would be wonderful. That would be awesome. I could use it. I know I could use it. Um actually I was thinking about that this week. We should if anybody's interested private group. In yeah, in setting up a private group of some kind, like like a, a private Facebook group. That'd be awesome. I know that's something that Horror Virgin does that I love. I'm on there all the time chatting with people. Can we set it up? We could set it up, um, but I would love... Is I that awkward? <laughs> no, I, I would rather have somebody else take kind of take ownership of it, and I would love to moderate it too. But if somebody wants to do something like that, just let us know. We would love to... I would jump in and moderate it and take and do a bunch of stuff to it. But if somebody else wants to kind of host it... Um, and I would sit in the corner and silently watch all the posts and giggle and laugh. That's and very voyeuristic of you. I, well, I it's am a hot. voyeur. He's going to go sit in the corner. <laughs> Shut up. I like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I think it'd be really fun and it'd be great to like get ideas about future episodes. It'd be great to talk about what horror movies we like. It'd be great to talk about our phobias and what we're dealing with. And maybe, like I said, maybe it's kind of like a little support group. Well, and one day we want to explore the idea of bringing people on the podcast or oh, yeah. kind of answering questions, you know, like very Dr. Drew. For sure. Um, so yeah. So do it folks. That'd I be like cool. it. Um, what else is going on? Anything? No, that's so fucking great. <laughs> What's so funny? No. That, that, that nothing is going on? Nothing. Not a fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, we actually have a Saturday How where we're like, you know what? We that? don't really have anything we have to do today. Um, and I love to not to have to do anything. Like, I love not feeling guilty about having to not do anything, Me? if that makes any sense. Fucking too. I'm with you. So you are becoming more and more like me as the years a little go bit. on. Yeah, you used to be to like this. Me. I My mean, FOMO I know it's not nearly as bad. I know your intro had a lot to do with FOMO, it but, did. um, I really do think that the older you get, the more it's getting better. Yeah. It's getting better. The more I'm, your FOMO is resolving. It is. Yeah. I, I think about, Oh man, it'd be great to go do that thing. And then I'm like, but it would also be great to be not but doing that But how thing. great would it be to not? It would be good to not <laughs> so do that So fucking great. I'm okay with not doing that thing. There's so many times that I'm like, well, I mean, I could go do that, but then I couldn't. Ah, I could stay home in my pajamas with my dog. Exactly. And binge watch Mindhunter. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I was up late last night watching. watching. I know. I fell asleep. I know. I got through. I think I got through like five or six really episodes tired. and, and uh, uh, could not like stop watching it and I didn't get to bed till like two in the morning because I like could not stop. I have so much hitting play. You know, you get to the end of the Netflix and, like, ah, go. and it's, it's like, 
Oh yeah, one more. I'll just watch more. the beginning of this one, you know, until I finally started falling asleep. But uh, Mindhunter is rad. After this, we need to binge watch it some more. Heck yeah. We need to go back and forth between Mindhunter and um, Handmaid's Tale. Just really fuck up our psyches. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for the world's greatest phobia based trivia game? You know it. The still, the still, the still ooh, the same. Because I just ooh, could not ooh. figure out a way to, to make this any different. But, but we're going to bring some more pep to it, right? Pep. It's all about pep. Pep, pep, pep. We're going we're gonna to pump this up a little bit more. So are you ready? I'm going to bump you up. <laughs> I'm going to pep me up. Mm-hmm. It's time for the world's greatest phobia-based trivia game. What the fear? <laughs> you say it now. What the fear? There you go. Okay, you have to say it like that. You didn't do your little, your little what the fear scat. Delayed scat. Delayed scat. <laughs> no, you Here, I'll do it again. It's time for the world's greatest phobia-based trivia game. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's okay. better. You always got to add the scat in there. What Sorry. the fear. Um, no matter how much Drew wants to change it, it still keeps coming back. It's the same. Keeps being the same. I kept thinking of ideas like we could do like move, like you were saying earlier, like you do like we could talk about a throw a movie out there and then you have to guess what like phobia it's it's on or maybe we do clips or i don't know i can't figure it out i don't know i keep thinking you want to change i think you it. just nailed it when you when you came up with what the fear you just nailed it so maybe it just needs to to remain maybe it's because you it's become you want a staple to, you want to change it because you think that um i'm somehow cheating well because you're just too awesome <laughs> you're just too damn awesome <laughs> uh are you ready uh yeah you want to play some what the fear let's do it okay all right are we going to run out of words eventually? Probably. I mean, are we going to run out of phobias? There's a lot of phobias. Are we going to run out of things? Are we going to run out of episodes? I mean, it's going to be a long time for the ep- to run out of episodes. And we can always repeat episodes too. That's true. Like, and go deeper dive. Deeper dive. Movies. Yeah. I mean, how many fear of clown movies are we there? We can There's always repeat, repeat fears too. Because I for mean, sure. there's multiple names for like. That's true. Every That's fear. true. We just did catoptrophobia, but we could do spectrophobia. Or any of those other phobias. True story. This is endless. We could do this forever, people. My endless <laughs> phobia. <laughs> All right. Your word, your first word is tautophobia. Tautophobia. T-E-U-T-O phobia. Tautophobia. Tutophobia? Could be tutophobia. Could be tutophobia. Tautophobia. Like two? Tutophobia. Like tutophobia. Yeah. Tutophobia. Scared of toots. Aw, flatulentophobia. If I invited you to my backyard party, uh, which I should because we're married, uh, if I invited you to my backyard party and I was. If you didn't, I would totally fucking. You'd be pissed off. Yeah. I'd remove you from the group. You wouldn't be very happy. Um, If I invited you to my backyard party (laughs) and I was grilling it up, you might eat a hot dog, but you definitely would stay away from the bratwurst and the schnitzel. Fear of German meats? <laughs> um. That's partially correct. <laughs> um. Wow. So now I have to know the difference between like a hot dog versus like a... 
Yeah, yes, I want you to break down all the ingredients of a schnitzel, please. Can you please break down? It's not just lips and assholes, people. <laughs> That's the title of my next book. <laughs> it's not just lips and assholes. Hey, title of your it's sex not tape. Ju- title of your sex tape. <laughs> not just lips and assholes. It's people. Not just lips and assholes, people. Don't worry, we're get- we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there in this in this what the fear. Don't worry. Um. Okay. So could you repeat it again? I was If I invited you to my backyard party and I was grilling it up, you might eat a hot dog, but you would definitely stay away from the bratwurst and the schnitzel. Fear of sausage casings larger than eight inches? Colder. Getting colder. <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's see. Okay. Fear of eclectic food. Ooh, I like that, but no. No. Okay. Um, you, you, you got much closer to the first answer. It's fear, fear of Germany or German culture. <laughs> Dang it. I was, I was very skewed away from that because yeah. that was the first thing I thought I of. was trying, I was trying not to just like bring up something about later Hosen or Oktoberfest or things that would just like instantly give it to you. Like I normally do. That was good. That was good. Okay. So you didn't you instantly go. give it to me. There you go. All right. You ready for the second one? Yes. Uh, tapinophobia, tapinophobia, T-A-P-I-N-O, phobia, tapinophobia, tapinophobia, that's tapinophilia. It's what you had last week when I kept hitting the computers and mm. shit. I did. And you, you were, were like, oh, everything. Blah. You hit it when I bang, 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 <laughs> winky, blinky, <laughs> blinky, blinky. Um, okay. No, but bang, what's my hint? Bang. Uh, I haven't given it to you yet. Tapinophobia, a person with this phobia always sneezes into their arms like they're supposed to. Thank you, tapinophobics. A person with this phobia always sneezes into their arms like they are supposed to. Thank you, tapinophobics. Um, I mean, fear, that's pretty nice. Fear of uh, inappropriate hygiene techniques. Ooh, not super far off, but no. Um. That's not, I mean, that was, that was, that was in the ballpark. I mean, it's, that was in the ballpark. Fear of hand washing? No, kind of the opposite, actually. Oh, Fear okay. of being contagious. Contagious. Of being Fear of contagious. Being contagious. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Good job. Pulling the old freaking wool over your eyes now. <laughs> yeah. I think you're going to get the last one. Fucking now. magician over here. No. <laughs> last one's getting a little bit more winky blinky. Oh, yeah, yeah. I always like the winky blinky one. Sorry, ladies. If you end up with one of these, pho- oh, I didn't give you the phobia, phobia yet. No, but Actually, you did have, you gave me the eyebrow as you were saying that. <laughs> I wonder if I shouldn't even like give you the phobia, if I should just give you the, the clue first. Maybe I should try that. Okay. Sorry, ladies. If you end up with one of these phobics, you won't be getting your salad tossed anytime soon. <laughs> Fear of the booty hole? <laughs> that is correct. Fear of the brown note. I don't think that's the. I don't think that's the official medical term. Fear of the brown note. Fear of rectums. Fear of assholes. Oh. Proctophobia. Proctophobia. Yeah, they would not appreciate a brown-eyed wink. They would not be. Uh, they would not be appreciated. They would of, never of play the rusty trombone. Wink. They would not play the rusty trombone. Blow that rusty trombone. That's a great squirrel nut. Thanks, zipper squirrel song. nut zippers. <laughs> My kids were there, and it was great. They were like, "Blow the rusty trombone." Well, I'm like, "Ha ha!" The kids have no idea what this means. This That's a super great. dirty song. That's a great song. I know. Let's play a clip from that. Great job. That was fun. Fear of rectums. Fear of rectums. Fear of Cody's. I mean rectums. I mean. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, Cody's. Oh, that dude's right. a fucking unseasoned chicken wing. That was our. <laughs> that was our what the fear for this week. Um, if you have any suggestions for what the fear, please let us know. You know, you can always email us too. We have a an email. Some of all fear podcast at gmail.com. Drill give you his personal cell phone number too. If you just want to chat, I just want people. I just want people to talk to he me. He just wants people just to want, like him. I just want to be. I just want. He friends. wants to be part I just want of to have some friends. Aww. You know, that's I'm, true. I just want people to love me. We just want feardos like um, like us. Are you ready to get into this fear? So so this is so what what's cool about this episode. And I've been thinking about this all week as we've been preparing for this. And we talked about it. A, we, we did kind of announce it on the last episode, but we're, we're, we're diving into phobophobia, which is the fear of fear, fear, fear of fear. It's the, it's the fear of, of phobias. Um, this is like kind of a special episode because it really, a very it's, special a, it's a very episode. special episode. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> It's like, it's like the different strokes episode where, you know, the guy at the bike store was touching the little kids, you know, it's a very special episode. It's one that you need to make sure you talk to your kids about. Um, there will be no molestation. I'm so excited. It's like the Jesse Spano, the Jesse Spano did too many caffeine pills episode. This is, this is a trademark. This is going to be a trademark episode because, because copyright, this really gets to the heart of what our, our whole thing is about, which is what makes you afraid, right? The whole fear, like being afraid of fear or, Mm -hmm. or what is fear? Why do we love fear sometimes? Why do we, why do we enjoy it with horror movies? And why do we, you know, sometimes, uh, do people completely avoid any chance that they might be scared? Um, those kind of things. So, those are the things we're going to dive into with this phobia, which I think is really cool. Don't you? Yeah. I like the fear of fear. Um, and I especially like saying it like fear. And every time you say fear, I hear fear. Stop. So <laughs> just stop it now though. You can stop yourself. I can't. I just, yeah, you and can't. creature feature. I know I got to practice the other day and she was like, Oh my God. And we just both started cracking up. Um, no, I just, I find this really interesting. Um, and also how, how it develops um, and kind of makes things a little bit worse. So yeah, I'm totally ready to get into this. Um, let's give them more fear for their ears. More fear for your oh, more fear for your ear. Ooh, I like that. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> more fears for <laughs> more your ears. More fears for your ears. That's good. That is good. TM stuff. copyrighted. Trademarked. You heard it here stuff. first. And without further ado, we are going to dive into our phobia for today, which is. Phobo, phobia, the fear of fear. fear. Fear of fear. So phobophobia is literally from, from Phobos, which we are very familiar with, uh, which literally just translates as fear. We so live and literally breathe translates the Phobos. As fear of fear. Um, so that etymology is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, kind of, uh, well, why don't, you, why don't you dive into it before I, before I bring up any of the other stuff that I have written down, let's, let's go ahead and, and dive right in. Sure. So a lot of the background for these episodes, um, and for my knowledge base on, um, just fear in general came from the book scream by Margie Kerr. 
And didn't you just get that? I did from from our friend I did, Veronica? but I had been drawing from it from articles, um, from tons of things written by her. So I had I had heard already, about it. Already, I had heard it. heard it on podcasts. So I kind of was really familiar with it. What's the, what's the author's name? Sorry, um, Margie Kerr. Margie Kerr, and the book is Scream. Scream by Margie Kerr, and it's the thrilling uh, adventures in the science of fear. Um, basically, she starts out. Um, you know, talking about how she's studying fear in the context of this haunted, this extreme haunted house. Um, And it's really interesting. She gives a lot of examples, but the one thing that I kind of wanted to bring today was that um, as we explore the fear of fear, understanding that there's actually five very distinct types of fear. Um, The first one is acute threat. So something that um, is now and threatens your livelihood or your life, a potential threat, something later that could impact you and your livelihood or your life, a sustained threat. So something at any point that could, that keeps your anxiety at a heightened level. Another type of fear is loss. Mm -hmm. So it's not threat related. Um, it's loss related. It's grief related. And then the, the final type of fear is that frustrative non reward fear. And that is the type of fear where we feel like we're spinning our wheels. Oh my gosh, we've had that lately. Right? <laughs> that's, been, that's a type of fear? So Yeah, it's like that fear of being... It's like the frust- it's more, it's like frustration. It is, but it's that fear of being stuck almost. Of, of not like, moving forward of, or not progressing not, the way you want to. Right, of not whatever. feeling oh, like yeah, it. You I know? feel that. And so... For sure. <laughs> and so she talks about that a lot and how um, the brain processes fear into two ways, you know, first is low road processing, which is kind of like the take no chances processing. Everything is a threat. As long if it has this much threat, everything is a threat. Um, high road processing is more, um, more subtle, I guess it's like consider the options, you know, what's real more like grounded. Um, And so, yeah, that low road processing, um, we see a lot in fear responses that shoot first, ask questions later kind of response. Uh, So explain, give me, give me an example. So So what does that look like? So when you go through a haunted house, um, you know that you're not actually in any danger, right? Right. But your brain, low road processing completely um, overrides that kind of more rational processing. You're like, I'm saying it's okay. Yeah. It says, no, 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 no. Everything. No, you're not. Everything around me looks like I shouldn't be okay. Like, yeah. Is that a roller coaster response too? Yeah. Similar. Is that the same type of thrill ride response? response? Um, but it's also the reason why we kind of enjoy that sensation because we kind of surrender to these, these feelings, um, and to this high arousal state. Um, and that takes that thinking brain offline temporarily. But we know we're okay. But we really we, know, we know we're, we're okay. Safe, but we, so we can enjoy the fear in a safe, in, in a the safe context of safety, which is, which we'll, we'll, I think we'll get to later too, but that's kind of what horror movies do too. Right. I right. Mean, they, they allow us to kind of experience this fear in a safe environment in a way that's not going to actually threaten us. Right, exactly. Um, And one of the quotes from the book, actually from a a person named Edmund Burke, um, he said, terror is a passion which always produces delight when it does not press too close. Hmm. So when it does not threaten our sense of true safety um, too closely, then it can be fun. Then it can actually be really fun, right? Um, And 
think about where our fear responses were derived from, right? Humans who overcame fears to kill wild beasts, who ventured out into the dark and unknown to explore things, um, those were the ones, those were our ancestors that were rewarded with the gift of surviving. Right. So we have this fear-based thing inside of all of us. Well, and that's kind of extreme sports too, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. what drives people probably to do a lot of that kind of thing as well. Hell yeah. I mean, that's the same. If I'm going to go jump out of an airplane, there's, there's a, there's a lot of risk there. I mean, there's risk there. There's risk there. That's not your normal risk, but people do it because they, they get that fear response, right? Right. Because that fear response is so so attractive and so um, excitatory. And that's, a tie, and that's tied to our adrenaline. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. that's, that excites us. And it's also tied to the fact that we want opportunities to challenge ourselves and to overcome these things because when we confront these things and we resolve them, we leave that situation more confident than we came. Even if it's even if it's a roller coaster and it's predictable that everything's going to go fine, we still leave that a little more confident because we overcame that. We overcame that fear. We faced it. We experienced it. We processed it and we resolved it. Well, when I went, I remember being, uh, I went to soccer camp. I think I was like nine years old and we were in like Long Beach, University of Long Beach or something, University of California, Long Beach. And we went to Disneyland for a day. And I think most of the kids I was hanging out with were a little older and, uh, Space Mountain, like went in the line oh, and so just and, and almost ran out the security exit and, every time uh, and, and just was freaking out. Right. First roller coaster. First time ever being on something like that. I think I was eight years old. And I remember that feeling like there's no way I'm going to do this thing. No. And then when you do it, you're like, yeah, then you you're then you go on it 15 times. Let's talk about Hank. Right? We took him to California Same thing. Adventure. Same thing, right? You know, Otherwise. I took Hank on his first like real roller coaster. And of course, we did not tell him that there was an upside down loop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I took him on and we got the front of the roller coaster. Like for your first experience, front of the coaster, he was what? Eight, seven, nine, seven, seven I think. eight. I think he was seven. Um, and we launch off. And of course, in the line, he's so fucking nervous and just shaking and like, it's going to, you know, like, is it going to be yeah, okay? He's studied, but he doesn't even but know he's there's, really a, there's excited. an upside down part. He's also really excited. He just thinks it's going to go fast. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh yeah, buddy, it's going to go fast. Um, and we turn the corner and he sees the track in front of us as we're going and he sees the loop and he looks at me and he goes, what is that? And I'm like, whoopsie. It's the best. Whoops. Actually, I'm, look, I'm looking at the picture of it right now. There's a, there was a picture of yep. you on that, yep. on that very first roller coaster. When I took him, him and he was, he was none too happy, but, but the he second loved he, it. he went on it. How many times? Like he wanted so to go many. on it. He wanted to go on that ride over and over and because over. Because when he, he went on like six times, when he, you know, when something like that kind of fear is encountered in that full throttle, physical environment it takes them to their emotional boundaries but safely and then brings them back better and they go, I than do when that. they I arrive like i can do I that. Can do that i want to do that again that's, that's what fun. i want to see in hudson um especially at like the water park and stuff i want to see him challenge that experience of fear that he has right now and overcome it and then know that he can do anything yeah and that that confidence that it comes with and that's that. a and that's a kid thing you know oh, that's yeah. just one of those things that you do as you develop you learn kind of 
that's why your first scary movie is like a thing. Cause you're, you're looking, you're peeking, you don't, you don't, you really don't want to be watching it, but then you do, but you do. And then you realize you're going to be okay. That no matter what you're watching, it's just a movie and you're going to be okay. Right. And that's, and that's that idea of that we can sail our ship into a very chaotic storm and navigate our way out. And I think that's part of the reason why um, some people are so gravitated towards experiencing fear in these controlled, safer um, doses, so to speak. It's almost like a medication. Absolutely. So, so what is, what is a, in in a clinical perspective, from a clinical perspective, what does an actual phobophobic look like? So a Am I jumping ahead of you too much? Because I know you were kind of going into no, it's okay. I was an intro, and I was I was digging it. Yeah, so. no, it's okay. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention was uh, that I found really interesting in this research was that there's actually a nerve called the vagus nerve that runs from the brain to the bottom of the stomach that plays a big role in how we respond to threats. So wait, hold on. Does what happen in the vagus nerve stay, stay in, in the, the vagus, vagus nerve? nerve? I'm just you know on. it. <laughs> You know it does. Sorry. <laughs> um, Couldn't pass that up. No, that was perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, there's this, like, umbrella of nerves um, that goes into our stomachs, which is further evidence to me um, for the gut-brain uh, link and also the gut as the second brain. Um, we've talked a lot about that recently. Yeah. But there's this umbrella of nerves that in the gut that collects information um, from the gut and sends that to our lizard brain, our limbic brain, in order to process whether or not there's a threat. So when we talk about our gut feeling, mm-hmm. that's, that's a, a real, literal, that's a literal thing. thing. And I'm guessing probably when we feel nervous in our stomach. It's right? a nervous, th- that's, nervous stomach. And that's, yes, that's a real thing. It's literally that our, is our, threat our stomach response, brain. Our stomach brain telling our brain brain that something tis not right Tis not. Tis not right in the world. Something tis not right. Tis not right this fortnight. <laughs> um, so, and and um, mm. the other thing that I read was that when this nerve is severed in rats, they actually show a decreased fear in response to innate threats or threats that should be threatening, like predators. Hmm. So if you sever the vagus nerve in a rat, it's not going to run away from a hawk like It'll it nor there. it would just it, it's, it's not doing be like what it's supposed to do meh whatever yeah. um, I'm gonna die <laughs> right exactly and so I'm I'm oh, curious well. if and this is where it kind of flows into the fear of fear I'm curious if folks um, who maybe experience this heightened experience of fear and this heightened fear to the experience of fear or um, the idea of, of they might be afraid right or they might the be, anticipation or they might gain of, a phobia or they might do something that's right i'm wondering if these folks um what's going on in their in their gut like what kind of a lots of farts lots of farts. tons of farts yeah that's what happens in your gut not a doctor yep. tons of farts that's what i heard <laughs> phobophobics lots of farts um is that is that true Medically? No. No? I'm not a doctor, though. Oh, not a doctor. I mean, I think lots of farts happen with all of us, but I did. that's very <laughs> sophomoric of you. Shut up. <laughs> You're sophomoric. Um, so, so phobophobics, um, what they really are sensing or fearing is the internal sensations or the fear of feeling fear associated with an anxiety or a phobia. So like that, that pre fear kind of it appears between the anxiety and panic and the 
thing that's actually feared. Well, and that's, and so when I was reading up on it, uh, they, they, there was a lot written about how basically this is akin to generalized anxiety disorder, right? So you, a generalized anxiety disorder is, is kind of has this, it's very similar, right? Cause it's an agoraphobia we talked about and agoraphobics a lot of times have this kind of very general sense of, of fears. They, mm -hmm. they can develop them with, like we were talking about with my mom, she has the, the, her sister, well, she talked about when she would talk about her phobia with her sister, who was also very phobic, her sister would tell her, do not tell me your specific phobias. Don't tell me when you get panic attacks. You know, I get panic attacks when I'm Because then I will be afraid I of doing that. She said, so that I will, I will fear the panic attack. I will attack. then develop that same phobia. <laughs> if you tell me that you, you get panic attacks on bridges, I will now be scared to cross a bridge. She said that because that's how it was for her. I'm wondering what's going on. Like, are you thinking, oh, maybe that's something that I should be afraid of? You know, like yeah. if someone else is afraid of that and gets panic attacks, why am I not? It's just that I seed, should it's panic that seed that. in your brain that just maybe, oh, maybe I'm going to to have that as well. Right. Which is is what makes phobophobia really interesting. It, there's not that environmental stimulus per se that it takes. It's just this fear that's experienced before the fear. It's the thought of the fear. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's that thought of the fear. And you avoid that feared object in order to avoid that thought, in order to avoid the fear and feeling the fear. So it's like this vicious, intensifying fear NATO or fear cane <laughs> or fear NAMI totally, or fear quake or fear avalanche or I'm totally getting ear Ian's earring to star in all of those movies or, um, or wild or fears channel or tsunami sharks. Is that what the next oh, tsunami. tsunami zombies, zombie tsunami, zombie tsunami. Is that what it was called? The new one coming out on sci-fi that we saw. Do you want to hear my, my last, um, Oh, sorry. My Keep last going. weather yes. pun, a severe storm. Oh boy. <laughs> Raging wild fears. <laughs> oh man. These are great. Um, <laughs> are they though? Uh, they're great to me. Are they? Um, so yeah. So again, this is not a fear of necessarily that's necessarily developed as a part of another fear, but it does contribute to maintaining it or gaining new fears. You know, it's a, uh, when we took Hudson and when we took the, we took the boys to go see scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, our feature presentation today. I must not have seen um, half the movie because I was watching him well, and the woman next to me. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> but he, before before we went, right, Hudson went from, I'm not going to go. I don't want to go. Um, you know, I'll just stay home. I'm good. With mom, with mom. Or I'll stay with Chris or Chris won't go, whatever. Originally it was, I'm not going to go. I was just going to take the two older boys. So there was my son and his best friend, 11-year-olds um, who really wanted to go see it. Hudson has always been kind of one of those one foot in, one foot out horror guys, but he really deep down loves them. You can oh, tell yeah. That he really does. I'll come sit and watch them with us. Oh, yeah. So he was, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. And then finally, like the day before, he's like, I want to go. I want to go see it. I want to go see it. Okay. Um, but the whole way there, and as we're sitting, watch, waiting, you know, waiting for the trailers and we're doing, he is just. You could visibly so feel his nervous, anxiety. So nervous. Like that anticipation was but brutal. I like but I like that because if you don't if you don't experience that and challenge it and develop it there's a potential that you develop a pathological lack of fear yeah and, and then you have no way we call to that, deal with fear just call that being a pussy that's just called that's, being a pussy being a big old is pussy. that in the DSM that's in the DSM it's called 
BOS, big or BOS, BOP, BOP syndrome, big old pussy syndrome, big old pussy syndrome. That is not the DSM. (laughs) Good lord, I am pretty certain that's there. Oh, that's in the Drew SM. (laughs) Um, Drew, Drew, I'm raising my boys not to be bops. That's my that's my uh, that's my that's my parental advice for today. (laughs) Don't be a bop. Big old pussy syndrome. Okay, what's next? Um, I don't know. You were talking and then, Sorry. and then I brought I'm, up Hudson. I really, <laughs> I really tickled myself. With, I know uh, you did. With, with um, so, so Hudson, yeah. So he was, but the point was that, that pre-anxiety, that yeah. anxiety of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I don't think I can do this. I am too, you know, the, the thought of the thing produces so much anxiety. Right. And another example would be someone who experiences an underlying, like you said, um, a generalized anxiety an unaddressed anxiety disorder, like social anxiety disorder. Um, someone who has something like that, um, who also experiences irritable bowel syndrome as a symptom, um, can actually display that fear of having the IBS symptoms, become greater than the actual social anxiety symptoms. So I'm why, afraid why you got to bring up my college years. I'm sorry. I'm just helping you try and piece together the reasons why you are the way you are. <laughs> it was mostly my freshman year. Right. But it was, but you use, but, but, so like, but you use so avoidance and that actually reinforced the social anxiety and the IBS response. So it, this, this fear of fears, it, it just, it kind of it magnifies builds, it builds on itself. and it, it builds and builds and, and it, builds. Fear so, ledge. So then you, if you, <laughs> fear NATO, fear NATO, fear a cane, <laughs> fear NAMI. You want to keep going? Fear quake. Fear quake. What was the other one? Fear NAMI. Fear, severe weather. Severe storm. <laughs> oh. Raging wild fears. I'm glad you got to go through that list again. I know. I really am. I'm tickled by it. Anyways. Um, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I'm so glad. You're so funny. Uh, so funny. Whatever. But the thing, the, the thing that I do want to um, kind of wrap back around is this fear of fear of anticipating the fear. Um, if experiencing that feared stimulus with other people, um, actually leads to that this thing called stimulus co-attention where participating with other um, can create others can create a more intense emotional response either positively or negatively so for instance with Hudson he participated in it with all of us um, you know he, I think he was comforted by all of us being there sure um, but his emotional response to the movie was higher because we were all there and experiencing it with him. And we, we, he perceives us all experiencing that same Hmm. emotion um, or that same uh, emotional, not emotion regulation, but like emotional intensity. There we go. So boom, shakalaka. (laughs) Is that in your notes? No. Boom, shakalaka. Yeah. That would be something I would write. (laughs) Um, it's really interesting to me though, because I think it's such a, I think the thought of, of we, we, people who are afraid of fear are not horror movie fans, but people who are right? horror movie fans are fear philiacs, fear philia, right? We talk about phobias versus philias. And, and so, you know, obviously people who, who enjoy horror tend to 
to love that fear feeling, right? That, that being scared to the point where, you know, I know a lot of horror fans who are real big horror fans who are kind of like, man, I've just, I can't be scared anymore. Right. And it's a bummer because it's like, it's like, it's like not being able to get high. Or, right. Or, exactly. Or not being able to get drunk. It's or this whatever. tolerance. It's, like thing, you know, it's a tolerance, tolerance that you've built. And I'm, I'm sure it's an actual thing that exists. There's a, there's a research lab in Reno that studies fear that we need to get in touch with. Cause yeah, I think do. that would be amazing. Um, but yeah. Um, phobophiliacs are folks that kind of chase the high of experiencing what it's like to, to test those emotion, do those emotional boundaries and come back safely. When well, you have those people who, who just, they, they, they don't, they will not do horror nope. movies. They will not do like horror virgin. They will not do haunted houses. Although I think he's kind of coming around. Yeah. I think Todd's probably, I think Todd's starting to like, I think Todd likes days. the high. I could be wrong. I might, they might, you know, that would ruin their whole setup. <laughs> so can't let that happen. Um, but you know, those, those people who will not do, they will not do haunted houses. They will not do Nothing. horror movies. They mm-hmm. will not do roller coasters. They won't do anything. You know, they won't jump out of an airplane. They won't, you know, it, anything. And, and that- what's weird is there's people who will do some of those things, but not others. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it can always be a little bit mixed, but some people just do not do. I don't like to be scared. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be scared. Um, and I've had lots of people tell me that, you know, I've told them, Oh, I'm you know, really into horror movies. Oh man, I don't do horror movies. You know? Yeah. I do not. I don't like, and like bring that. up some benign movie, you know, or, or something. like I saw like, like Dave, like our buddy Dave and, and Poltergeist, you know, oh, I saw Poltergeist when I was a kid. I don't want to do horror. I don't like horror movies, you know, did not like that movie. Um, so something either when they were young or as they've developed and gotten old, as they've gotten older, something has, has, has blocked out that, that one, that desire to have that, that adrenaline rush of fear. Well, either that, or it is intimidating what you might feel if you let yourself watch these things that do cause such intense emotional reactions intentionally. Like you can go to a rom-com and just be like, ah, right. You can go to a scary movie and be fucking scarred till you're 70, you know? Yeah. The movies don't generally move us emotionally and physically like that on a regular basis. And now we've got a whole genre that's goal is to imprint itself in your mind and in your In the most extreme way possible. Forever. You know, most, most of the time. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's, we're going to try to scare you in every way we possibly can. And so some, depending on what kind of genre, what kind of part of horror you're talking about, it's going to try to touch on, which is why we're doing this whole podcast. Right. right. The whole point is that horror movies prey on our most primal fears. They, they prey on our phobias. They, they prey, prey on, on our base. On our base. Instincts. Yeah. All those things that, that, and so at every different type of horror movie, all does, does it, it a little a differently, little differently. They but all they all on different, different types of, they fears. all threaten that. And, and culturally, why some people like, like some horror movies over others or, Oh, this one scares me more than this one does. Well, that's a personal preference thing. Right. Which is why I get so pissed on these stupid forums when people are like, Oh, that's a, that's this movie's lame. Uh, Cody. this is a better movie and blah, blah, blah. all the Cody's on the horror. F- <laughs> because it's, it's so personal. It really is personal. Your fears are your fears. And the things that you find scary, are personal. Mm-hmm. Um, now personally, I like almost all horror. Like I really enjoy it all. Um, but some things resonate with me more than others. Right. Right. So, um, so yeah. Do you have anything you want to add before we, uh, before we dive in? 
to a, something a little different today? No, I'm excited. Let's do this. So that was that was our little breakdown of phobophobia. Um, we are not gonna gonna do a a regular movie for our honorable mention. We thought we saw this documentary this week, and we thought, hey, what a great opportunity to kind of talk about this phobia. It was rad. This documentary was exactly what we're talking about today. Um, so in our honorable mention today, we are going to talk about, uh, actually it's been out for a few years, but it just popped up on shutter, um, this week. And that is uh, 2014's, um, documentary. Why horror? I think one of the great things about horror is that they really reflect what the fear of the moment is. Everybody in the world is afraid. We're all afraid of the same things together. It's a, a safe fright when you're in, in a movie. And I think that enables you to sort of relish it, to sort of uh, enjoy it or look into yourself and say, why am I frightened, afraid of this? What is it about horror that makes people react the way they do? Millions of people love it, and yet horror fans are often misunderstood. My name is Tal Zimmerman, and I love horror. It's not just a hobby for me, it's a lifestyle. I write reviews and articles for horror magazines. I'm an obsessive collector of memorabilia. I attend conventions as a fan and sometimes as a speaker. Horror has come a long way since it first got its hooks into me. As a devout fan, I used to feel like an outsider. But nowadays, I look around, and horror is everywhere. So now is the perfect time to dig deeper. I need to look beyond my own experiences. I need to know, why horror? So yeah, honorable mention today is a documentary. I like that. Um, yeah. So we, I just, I just thought that'd be kind of a cool change of pace. Um, you know, just to, to kind of talk about some new, a little bit more about kind different. of, yeah, a little bit more about what we were just talking about, which is, which is really, uh, why, why, why do we like these things? Why do we like this? Why do we enjoy horror movies? Why is it that why do we do this to ourselves? Put themselves through this, this, this one uh, word, tromo. Tromo. Why do tro- tromo? Tromo. 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 Sorry. Not tromo. <laughs> Thinking like Momo, not trauma. Trauma. Trauma, not trauma. Why do we put ourselves through trauma? Because they're not really scary; they're just disgusting. Yeah, that's why. Oh, I love it. Love. I love me some trauma. Um. So that. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about. Um. So this is kind of about phobophilia, right? So we're talking about a little bit phobophobia. Phobophobia. This is more about the phobophilia side of things. Why do we love this? Where does it come from? How did we get this? weird desire to want to scare the shit out of ourselves, you know? Um, but this, uh, this documentary is called why horror it's on shutter right now. Um, it's directed by Nicholas Kleeman and Rob Lindsay. Um, and it's a feature documentary following horror fan, Tal Zimmerman, uh, who's the host as he looks at the psychology of horror around the world in order to understand why we love to be scared. 
which is perfect because we asked the question, what makes you afraid? Mm-hmm. Right. So why do we, why do we like to be scared? What is the, the whole purpose behind that? And he has a lot of great interviews. Um, you know, Alexander Aja, who directed mirrors, which we just talked about last week, um, was interviewed. John Carpenter, Don Coscarelli, uh, Barbara Crampton, Zachary Roth, Quinto um, as Eli Roth. <laughs> you always think that. You always think Eli Roth looks like Zachary Quinto. He does. A, that was I Zachary. Use them a lot. That actually. was Zachary Quinto as Eli Roth. You think so? In Why Horror? In Why Horror? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> well, Elijah, Elijah Wood know. does some some narration, um, but it's a great little documentary, and it really does talk about how fear is just this truly universal emotion. And right? it's also kind of a uniting emotion because of that, you know, it's a shared experience emotion. We all have fear. Everybody in the world is afraid. We're all afraid of the same things together. It binds us as, as people. So, you know, everybody's afraid, right? It binds us as people. It binds us as people. It, it brings us together for some reason, because it's a universal human experience, right? It's emotion that we all have. Yeah. And it's an emotion that has a really incredible lasting impact. You know, fear has a very hardwired direct path uh, in order to escalate itself to first priority. And so people who seek out that kind of experience um, know, number one, that they're doing it in a safe manner in which they can process it. And number two, when they leave that, you know, scary convention or that scary movie, they're generally laughing and smiling ear to ear. Oh yeah. They're, and they're pumped. They're experiencing the after effects of the afterglow, I should say. And that's what like George Romero in the, in the, in the documentary says movies are a safe fright. You know, it allows you to ask yourself why you're afraid of it. You can sit there and kind of analyze it from a safe distance and go, I hate clowns, but that's why I love being scared by Pennywise or whatever, you know, you can kind of safely approach uh, these topics, which I think is, is, you know, a lot of the reason why we watch these things, right? We can, we can see them, we can safely uh, consume them and not completely lose our shit. Uh, Yeah. We can prove that we can handle those emotions. And I love how this documentary framed that in the context of horror. Yeah. And it talks about like, you know, the, the kind of, it goes back a little bit into the history and, and, you know, we, as children, there's a reason why we love fairy tales, right? Fairy tales all have that horror element. They used to be dark as shit. And the, the old, if you go back, right. If you go back dark to, the, as shit. to like the 16th to the 19th centuries. And I mean, even like little red riding hood goes back to as far as the 10th century. Um, they're fucking brutal. Kids get eight. They're bloody, they they're fed. horrific, right? They're these terrible stories in the original, especially in the original versions, right? We yeah. water, water the fuck down, um, water the fuck down, water the fuck out of them, um, watered down the fuck out of them. I think that's what I was trying watered to say. Watered down the fuck out of them? Um, they, they, we, we watered, watered them down the we fuck out. them way down, you yes. know, compared to what the originals were right? Um, nowadays. But, we made I mean, them softer, but are we doing anybody justice right. by avoiding those kinds of feelings and not learning how to process them and how, how to, um, I mean, emotion regulation is such a huge piece of, um, what many people are missing in terms of their, um, 
their mental their health. emotional their emotional maturity well not even m- emotional maturity in terms of their mental health um, emotion regulation if not taught very young it, it's tough to learn how to regulate yourself when you're older and it's one of the reasons why I haven't shielded our eight-year-old from horror movies that much. Like I, I, I'm not going to let him well, watch crude things or things that are, it's one reason you know, that why. are not, that are, that are, that are, you know, overtly whatever. But no, I'm, but, but as far as like just scary, like, okay, he can handle poltergeist, you know, he can handle because he's watching that in a safe environment with us. He's learning how to kind of deal with those things in the right setting. He's and learning I think it's how to manage thing. those emotions in a safe way. And we haven't just done that with scary movies. You know, we've done that with, the sex talk and with um, talking about um, gang violence and person on person violence. We just had a conversation about and, prostitution the other day. <laughs> and, came up. He, asked, he asked the question. And so, women's so, sex work. Yeah. He talked about uh, uh, something about a brothel. He said, I think he asked what a brothel was because it came up on the radio or something. And, uh, and so we're like, Oh, okay. Well we live in Nevada or the only legal brothel state. Let's have that conversation. You know? Well, um, and it's like, him, he, it's not know, like him, at least a, give him the outline because Hey, you know what? it's he, he needs to learn it at some point and learn it from somewhere what those things are and right you know and you, well, you and explain needs, it the right way he needs to know how to handle those emotions um and process them and know that he he can experience that and be okay on the other side you know and that's that distress tolerance and emotion regulation skills that that get taught very early on so um if say someone has had um some very very bad trauma early on or abuse, um, their um, ability to regulate their emotions or to, to tolerate that distress may, may be tapped out because they are still processing that trauma actively. Yeah. Um, and so those may be some of the folks who are really avoidant of feeling fear because maybe they already experience a heightened version of fear every single day in their real life and they sure. don't want any fucking sure. more. <laughs> sure. You know? Absolutely. Um, and, and you know, one of the other things that was brought up in this documentary that I thought was, uh, made a really good point is, is, you know, as communities, you know, if you look in, in, in the Roman times, um, during the Roman reign and, and even during, you know, in, in the medieval times and, 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 uh, over in, in Europe, um, and I guess in the U S as well, you know, Roman gladiators would beat the shit out of each other and kill each other. And, and, you know, there was the Colosseum thing where, you know, people would be tossed in and ripped to shreds. That was sport. That was entertainment. That was people would go to watch those things. Executions were public and are still public in many places in the world where people gather around to watch people be killed. There's still, there is something a hell of a lot better and more healthy about putting that into a movie and watching those kind of things safely and, and, and not in a exploitive and well, it might be exploited, but not in an exploitive manner where it's actually really happening in real life. That's gotta be better, right? I mean, it's gotta be a healthier way to, to consume those things because as a human race, we apparently are drawn to that. We're drawn to that kind of gnarly live death kind of thing, you know? And, and, um, obviously it's got to be cathartic in some way to do it in a horror movie and not in, you know, not actually having it in the public square. Well, I think about our experience at the, um, museums of death, you know, going through and kind of processing LA and new Orleans. Awesome places. Yes. Amazing. My favorites. Um, 
and I feel like not for the faint of heart. No, but I feel like when you do experience that and you do challenge those emotions that come up and you do explore the, the thoughts that come up, some really, really dark, um, you wrestle with some demons during that experience and you come out and, and you're, you're a little closer to yourself. You're a little, you're a little more finely tuned with yourself. I remember the first time I went down, a little more aware, went down the like car, the car wreck hallway. Oh fuck. That was um, the the one in LA. And I remember being like actually getting lightheaded, Mm -hmm. which I don't think I'd ever experienced that. Well, didn't Dave have to have to leave when we went to new Orleans? I think, yeah, he was, he was not, yeah, he wasn't doing well. And I had a friend who also, uh, when we did, I think I, we talked about this before, but the body images exhibit. Yeah, it's called a body. Um, um, bodies. Bodies. Something exhibit. like that. Um, I had a friend who who didn't make it through like ten minutes of it. She had to leave. She right. got totally like almost fainted. So there's something there, and there's definitely something about processing those things in a safe environment or mm-hmm. an environment. Now the thing about museum of death is it's real it's it's real pictures it's real and i think that life hits things. even that hits harder you, that hits you more right to me yeah. whereas horror movies no matter how gnarly it is no matter if it's cannibal holocaust or you know i spit on your grave or whatever one of you know last house on the left these really brutal horror movies we you know, know it's not we real. know it's still a movie right ultimately and we can you can you can traverse those really depraved parts of yourself um that for some reason has that voyeuristic tendency to want to watch that thing, but still go, I'm still not watching it in the public square and, and clapping when, you know, when the people are being quartered, you know, like they used to do. We have a desire to want to experience the limits of our boundaries emotionally and physically. Um, but without challenging our morals. Yeah. And we get, so there is something about this, from a very young age, right? We love, and we, we love having personifications of evil. Mm-hmm. We love having personifications of that, that scare us, these villains, right? That's why so many horror movies have a villain, like a, a central person that is the embodiment of evil or the embodiment of this fear, whatever that fear may be, right? Or, this insecurity or, or, or they pull out your fear, right? And they, they hold it up in front of your face. Right. And so, so I put together, I put together a, a, a new top 10 list. Um, my top 10 scariest horror villains of all time. Um, my number 10 was Samara from the ring. I didn't like that one. Um, mostly because she came out of the television. Yeah, I just found her extremely creepy. I found her, I, I think unnerving. Yeah. There was something about that movie that just really, that, that I, 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 I really enjoyed it. And I know the original Japanese one is also super, you know, awesome and creepy too. I was reading. And it's said to, her name was uh, Sadaku or Sadoku. I was reading on um, kind of some of the cultural differences um, in horror between the Americas and the Japanese. Um, and specifically speaking, like the Japanese horror culture really focuses on the ideas of um, like what you do in life um, affects mm-hmm. your death and, and sure. how you die affects right. how you live after life. Um, and it's a generational haunting generational, generational, um, um, sins, sins of your father's sins of your, you know, the things that you things that come back to haunt you, right. but from a familial perspective. Yeah. And it's, it's just very different than like a tr- like traditional American, like slice or dice or horror. Um, so that's really interesting. Yep. So that was my number 10, my number nine, Norman Bates from psycho. See, okay. 
I think the I think there's something and honestly Is there I think, something wrong with me that I don't even count serial killers as like scary? Oh, I totally have more than one on here. But it's funny. Well, and I put him in there and I didn't I didn't include um what's his name from American Psycho? Um I can't think of his his character name. Um but Jack? That was no. you know, those kind of characters that are just well, I, I don't know if I put him in the same category. Norman Bates is kind of the boy next door. So that's the character that you see this 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 guy who looks so unassuming and so normal dark side, um, you know, this is BTK. This is, I guess maybe probably cause Manhunter. We were just watching Manhunter. Maybe that's why Manhunter, um, Manhunter. It's my oh, mind hunter. hunter. <laughs> I see Manhunter. Uh, Manhunter is a movie. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, that, that kind of unassuming character that's next door that, you know, your fears are that somebody very close to you, you know, the person that you talk to, the, 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 you know, your, your, best friend, whoever it is, could be a serial killer. You I know, mean, one in, killer. one in 20 people in some um, high population areas. It's creepy. Creepy. Is not so, a serial killer, but a sociopath. Norman Bates. Uh, number eight, uh, Leather. I have Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw. Okay. Which was creepy. a lot of number ones. A lot of people had that him as their number one list. And I got to tell you, I don't find Texas Chainsaw that scary. Horror Virgin has that as their 10 out of 10 scary scale. I don't find, I don't find Texas Chainsaw that scary. Um, because that's just like the, the crazy psychopath, which I don't think the crazy psychopath is that scary. Although I will say I I included it because I mean, the dude wears people's faces. Do you think it would be a lot scarier if we lived out in like silver Springs, Nevada? Maybe if you were out in the, I mean, I guess, I guess (laughs) that's the part that scares me about that movie. If I did have to put that in, I put it in my list because, because he is a super scary character. I think the, the, the thought that you could end up, this is the Hills have eyes too, right? Kind of, you know, you could end up someplace with just a total group of psychopaths. Dude, when I was working you know, with the social workers going out there and, you know, going out in the middle of, of nowhere, nowhere yeah. in the desert, I was like some, like at least within a hundred yards around me in any direction There's is a probably a There's body some um, here or some sort of a shed with someone locked For in sure. it. I don't, I don't know. Something so bad's going that's on. That's my here. eight. Uh, my number seven is, uh, and this goes back to childhood, Freddy Krueger. And I think Freddy Krueger, especially because Freddy Krueger focuses on dreams and sleep on, but he also focuses on your fears. Oh, so uh, he, yeah. he brings out your specific fears. That's he's true. going to prey on your fears. If you're not afraid of him, then he's not effective. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't can't do his job if you're cool, not afraid of him. But I didn't, I didn't see it young enough for it to it like me terrify me. Yeah. Like my first, but I always kind of liked him. He was, the, he was always the character that you, you know, and there's, and then corny Freddie, you know, as we get into like three, four or five, you know, and Freddie's dead, you know, he becomes a caricature of himself and he's not nearly as scary as he is just, you know, Freddie as a Freddie versus a Jason. Freddie as a cartoon character was my first foray into Freddie. So oh, really? it was like, Oh, this guy is Freddy versus Jason. Hilarious. I'm so sorry. And that's, then it was like, that's really a tragedy. H2O. And then I kind of <laughs> went backwards. H2O was, uh, that was, uh, Friday the 13th. Wasn't it? No, Halloween, Halloween H2O. Yes. Sorry. Um, all right. Number six, Annie Wilkes from misery. Oh, fuck. If I had remembered these people yeah. that maybe they would have been on my list. Yeah. Because, Annie Wilkes is a good yeah, one. No, yeah. no. And because, no two by four. No <laughs> sledgehammer. No, yep. none of it. Mm-hmm. No. And I think just, just that again, more psychological psychopath right? Allow, out of control. Like she has you out of control. You are just at her whim. She is 
She can do anything. Torturing you. you. Yeah. In like the worst And you don't ways. know what she's, and you don't know what way she's going to go. I'm no. Not, you know, you don't know where, where she's going to take it. So Annie Wilkes. Number five. So, um, and I actually um, adjusted this at the last minute because I was like, you know what? I got to throw this in there um, a little bit off the, off the map, but Princess Mombi from Return to Oz scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. And after rewatching it again, I, mean, I went, damn it. She's still freaking scary. She's pretty scary. Like that's a scary character and a scary character that really brings out those, those childhood fears, you know, and, and watching that movie as a, as like a four-year-old or a five-year-old, whenever I watched it for the first time, fucking scary, man. I don't like princess Mombi and her freaking running around with no head on and shit. Um, not a fan. Putting on the different heads. Yeah. Not cool. Uh, number four, Hannibal Lecter from silence of the lambs. Um, but also the guy that you kind of still like to sit down and have a meal with, you know, maybe some fava beans and a nice county. A lot of these serial killer types, um, don't make my list because I have, cause you want to talk to because them. Cause I you want, like want to hang I mean, out I them. went to school <laughs> to, uh, to study how to figure. I'm these not guys saying out. I wouldn't want to sit down with every single one of these at one point. You know, do I, they I, terrify I, me? Yes. But like, do I consider them like my scariest villains? Think about how Hannibal Lecter though, like the things that he would like how he was able to almost be supernatural in the way that he would do like when he killed all the guards and when he did, you know, when he escaped and when he does, you know, the guy just, there's something beyond just the, the persona that is almost like inhuman. Yeah. And, and that's always what, but I think that's the caricature of our, our deepest rooted fears is that there's something inhuman in us all. Oh, for sure. Uh, my number three is the tall man from phantasm. Fuck. I like the tall man. The tall man. He's pretty creepy. I mean, he's just a great character too. Like Angus Grimm is so cool and, and you know, what a cool character and just, just foreboding and his voice is, is so intimidating and you know, you just, you just know if he grabs you, he's going to be able to throw you through a wall. Um, so definitely one of my top three. Um, number two, uh, Pazuzu, the demon from uh, Exorcist. Oh, oh. Um, that, uh, you know, that inhabited Linda Blair. I didn't know that was the name of it. Yep, Pazuzu. Um, the Exorcist. Sounds like something delicious you order at BJ's Brew House. It does. Yeah, that's with a, some ice cream? That's a Pazuki. Can I have a Pazuzu? I with, would like to have a Pazuzu with ice cream. I'd like please. a half chocolate chip, half peanut butter Pazuzu um, with a la mode. Thank you. And Father Marin's going to come down and he's going to, he's going to bless he's, that he's shit because it it's going to be the most delicious dessert I will ever delicious consume. Delicious demon you've ever Delicious eaten. demonic dessert. <laughs> but I think the exorcist brings is, is another type of, of character, right? You have this demon that's, that's this ties into this spiritual kind of, uh, our spiritual sense and our spiritual side. Um, whether or not you believe in, in God or you don't believe in God. It's like, something otherworldly that, that has inhabited. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, don't worry about the dog. She's running into the backyard to, to deal with the dog because the dog was barking. Um, now she's tripping over the dog. Oh my gosh. Now she's breaking. (laughs) Now she has knocked over all of her line of drinks. Man, this took a fun turn. Wow. What a way to build up my number one. I know. And now. <laughs> Holy shit. That was a train wreck. 
<laughs> I slipped. Uh, it's not even going to sound like, I mean, it's like Pennywise the Clown, you know. I just, <laughs> it's my number one. Because <laughs> it was my, you know, and it, and it, you know, I, and even now after watching that, the new one the other day with you, because you had never seen it. Mm-hmm. So we were watching the, the the first part of the new one. It still freaks me out. Like Pennywise still fucking scares the shit out of me. I and, really and I, enjoyed that movie it was great. a lot. It was great. Like it scared me and he scared me, but he wouldn't be one of the scariest characters. To me, he's the scariest me. because because he attaches to my childhood. Sure. So he attaches to, he's still scary today as a, as a character. And I've always gravitated towards supernatural characters as being more scary anyway. So I'm like, human characters, I don't care if you're, you're a psycho or whatever. Like I could still probably, I could still kill you. I kill you. Human characters, but supernatural are way characters worse. to me are worse because you can't kill them. Most oh of my time. gosh! I'm totally. No, opposite. I am like people are way worse because. Well, people are worse in general because it's people really suck, in there. Like we all have that dark side, and then the other stuff that you know, the other horror genres are more caricatures of that. That's why it's my list. I know, and not your list. All right. Well, we are going to dive into one of the uh, one of the more universal introductions to horror for anybody born after about 1975. Pretty iconic stories um, that we went and saw this week on opening night. Actually, two days after it opened, I guess, um, with our boys, and it was a blast. So let's dive into our feature presentation today: scary stories to tell in the dark. Now, our feature presentation. What's that? It's her book of scary stories. Some people believe if we repeat stories often enough, they become real. They make us who we are. That can be scary. Eat it, Harold. Do you want to see haunted house? Some kids went missing, so they boarded it up. Okay, we saw it. Should we go now? Who ordered the chicken? It's a book of scary stories. Tell me a story. Hey, what's going on? Tommy's missing. Tommy's name was in the book. There's no way it's actually connected, right? Okay, what if what happens in the book is exactly what's happened for real? Oh my god. Stella! Listen, you're in the next story. We're reading it right here. It's a corpse looking for her missing toe. I'm afraid that we woke something up. You shouldn't have taken the book. We've got to stop it. Bellows' book, where the stories write themselves and it all comes alive. 
jangler man is coming. That's right. So our feature presentation, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark from 2019, uh, long awaited. I was waiting for this for a while. Oh, yeah. This one's been been hyped up for quite a quite a long time um norwegian director andre avradal who uh i was stoked that he was directing this because he did troll hunter which was a norwegian film that came out in, in 2010 and uh autopsy of jane doe in 2016 which was both are super badass movies like i love both of those movies troll hunter is a blast um and autopsy of jane doe is is creepy as fuck like just a good movie um he's just got a, a he's got like kind of a uh, he's got a style, very kind of a presence, and and I really like it. And and um, uh, believe he's also set to direct a. Uh, there was a. Do you know Stephen King went by a pseudonym? Yes. Robert Bachman was his pseudonym. Robert Bachman. Um, and I guess in 1979, under the pseudonym Robert Bachman, he wrote a book called uh, "The Long Walk." And I guess uh, Andre Averdal is going to be the director of that movie. Oh, nice. I probably won't be out for a couple of years, but, um, and then it was of course produced by Guillermo del Toro who has an amazing ability to create, uh, uh, an ambiance, you Mm -hmm. know, create a certain type of, of feel to kind of his creatures and to the movie, you know, so I think all of that, not just the, to the movie, but like, to like, he has a texture about him. That's a good way to put it. His movies have a texture. Yeah. And so of course, and of course the movie is based on the books, um, by Alvin Schwartz, uh, who actually wrote a lot of books, uh, a lot of other books besides just these. Um, and a lot of them were, were kids kind of books about folklore. Um, some of them were about folk, um, kind of like folk speech. I don't know how to explain that, but we were like tongue, tongue twisters and huh. wordplay and stuff you'd hear about on away with words, that <laughs> PBS show that we like to listen to. It's not PBS or sorry. Uh, NPR show we like to listen to um and what made these books so badass i mean the stories were all fun they were all great but the illustrations by stephen gamal are that's what, what you remember that's forever. what we remember right that's what people remember so much about these books um because honestly i was trying to think back um when i b- before we went and bought the book because we had a we had one we only had one i think we had part three flying around the house with the boys um in the boys room but I couldn't find the other two. So we went and bought the, the hardback that had all three together. And as I was flipping through and actually reading the stories, there was only a couple that I actually really remembered the storyline, but the images I remembered so many of, oh, like yeah. so many of the images, you know? Um, and that's really, I think the, the major iconic part of these stories was those images. Um, and this movie well, the, the Stephen Gamal, the guy who did who did the illustrations, he he was a he was a a, a children's book illustrator that was very well regarded. Um, he was a Caldecott Award medal winner um, for a number of, of or from a book another book that he had done, but he did a whole bunch of different children's books and stuff. So um, the guy was a stud, and he's still alive. He lives in St. Paul, Minnesota, with his wife. Um, Didn't this book get banned at school? Well, and so stuff? I know. So when I was in in late eighties, early nineties, I had bought all three volumes at a school book fair. Okay. Um, and, but not long after that, it, 
all of a sudden you started hearing it about, oh man, those books are banned. You know, I think kids probably played it up more too. But sure. Like, those books are banned or like, they're not going to let those them sell those at the school and you're not allowed to bring those to school anymore and that kind of stuff. Um, but it was actually the most challenged book for public libraries, for libraries and probably school libraries from 1990 to 1999. Not like Mein Kampf? Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> no one's going to challenge like, the most challenged book Mind is Comfort. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I'm sure there's other ones out because, there. Because, you know, because of, you know, where's my thumb? <laughs> no, it was probably because of the imagery. Well, the illustrations, the, Im- the sure. imagery was, it was pretty, truly terrifying when coupled with, with the stories and with those memories. And it was scarring. And I don't know that people knew what to do with well, that. I totally remember the controversy. I remember this being a big issue, like. You know, and I remember laughing about it and being like, this is stupid, you know, because they're not really, they really aren't. And if you look at them now, like they're, they're, they're not that bad. Harry Potter know? was a big issue too, though. You know, yeah, people it's going to teach our kids witch people magic. People are freaking dumb. People are dumb. People have a hard time looking past beyond just the word, you know, the words to like, oh, there's a deeper meaning to these or there's something else here. Or maybe I'm teaching my kids something that's valuable you know, through these stories or through uh, people. What valuable are we teaching them through these stories? Oh, I don't know about scary stories, but I was thinking about Harry Potter. Um, (laughs) We're teaching uh, them the value of how we were raised. Yeah. But I think there's also a value in, in like we were talking about before, like helping them to confront those fears. Right. Right. There is something to that. There is something to, to those fairy tales that scare the crap out of us. Like we would think of Hansel and Gretel as a classic. Right. How is that any different than, you know, where's my toe, you know, you always bring or, up the big, my or the toe. big toe or the dream or Harold or any of these stories, right? They're all kind of like little fairy tales. They're the red dot, you know, the forever, red dot forever. Right. They may not have a moral of the story at the end. Like moral of the exactly story like is, is stay away from fucking spiders. That's the moral. Of the cover story. your face with a net when you sleep. <laughs> so spiders and crawl up on your face and legs. But let me give you a quick synopsis of this movie that came out. Um, uh, it's 1968 in America. Change is blowing in the wind, but seemingly far removed from the unrest in the cities is the small town of Mill Valley, where for generations, the shadow of the Bellows family has loomed large. It is in their mansion on the edge of town that Sarah, a young girl with horrible secrets, turned her tortured life into a series of scary stories written in a book that has transcended time stories that that have transcended the way of becoming oh man i hate it when i read these stupid synopsises that come straight from imdb cuz they always have spelling errors the editor in you is angry kills me written in a book that has transcended i don't even know what they're trying to say here that's terrible <laughs> i should have read this before i just cut and pasted it huh um it has become all too real for a group of teenagers who discover sarah's terrifying tome Hmm. Yeah. But that's the one that's on the front page of IMDb. Wow. Come on guys. Step up your fucking game. Anonymous. Step it up. Ha- slash anonymous. That's what they're slash always anonymous. anonymous. Um, but this actually has 81% on rotten tomatoes right now. So it's doing pretty good. Whoa. And 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Now it's been somewhat criticized and I know you weren't a huge fan. Um, when we left the theater, I loved it. I was jacked. Um, the, we took the boys and they were jacked. And part of my joy in watching this movie was seeing not only their reactions during the movie, but afterwards 
the whole ride home, it was, what was your scare? What was the scariest part for you? What was the scariest monster? What was, what did you think? I bet I'm the only, How do you think the sequel is going to be? What do you think the craziest? I bet I'm the only eight year old in my class. that went and saw scary stories. I bet I'm the only eight year old that went and saw scary stories. Yeah. That kind of stuff. That was my fucking favorite. I love that. That was my so favorite. Much. And you, uh, you asked me how, what I thought of the movie. And honestly, I feel like I may have missed a bunch of it because I was either watching the person to my direct right. Yeah, there was a person next to you that like literally covered their face the whole time. Who was fucking hysterical and like just like wiggling the whole time and like, ooh, and just it was great. And then I was either looking at them or I was looking past you at Hudson. Yeah, Hudson was on the other side of me and he was And he just was like, like... his like hands were up by his mouth just and he was tucked into himself and just like and you're like are you okay bud and he's like yeah yeah I'm like don't move i'm watching it was it was pretty funny um, yeah so yeah. i think i've missed a bunch of it but well and that kind of goes to you know it's funny the person next to you might have been not a horror person but they no. were like oh i love scary stories when i was a kid so i want to go see this movie you know and that kind of goes back to what this what a lot of people have been saying about this movie which is you know a lot i think some people went in expecting it to be you know a really uh, gory adult horror, and I think which a I think it would be fun. Did. I think it'd be like, fun to have. I would like some to, of these. I would like to see that adult movie. scary yeah. stories. I would love to see that scary movie. stories to tell to adults. I think it'd be fun to do a whole movie with Harold, you know, or a whole movie with any one of these like these these monsters, right? Um, and do it kind of a more adult fashion, but um, but because the books were kind of gateway horror for people when they were kids and it kind of got them interested in this kind of thing. You're right. These are the marijuana of horror. They are the marijuana of horror. Um, that the movie is kind of like that too. It's a great little gateway horror for, for kids that are junior high age, high school age to, to, you know, uh, to kind of get their feet wet with horror. And, and I thought they did a really good job with it. I thought that they actually really did a nice job with just kind of giving a, a good, and it was, it was, a, it was beyond, it was what I, I saw. Somebody wrote, it's what Goosebumps should have been, which, which I thought was agreed. a good, which I thought was a really Absolutely. good description. But Goosebumps was fun. I enjoyed Goosebumps, but Goosebumps was written for a fourth grader. It wasn't written for a 13 year old, you know, and this movie was written more for a 13 year old, you know, don't you agree? Absolutely. But I think the, if you look at the Goosebumps books, they're all kind of written a little bit younger too they are. than they are. the Scary Stories books. There's some other R.L. Stein books that, that definitely could have been made in a more right. adult fashion that maybe at some point they will. But, um, but yeah, so I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, I think the movie takes the, the script itself is, is, doesn't really connect with the books that much. Like it, it has little pieces here and there, um, but they definitely, but so they kind of create the, their own storyline. Well, they have to through none multiple the, different stories. None of the stories are really linked. So. Yeah. And, and then they, they create, and then they've created the monsters and the monsters were, did you, did you see the, how they did the monsters? This is the practical effects. Most of those were practical Holy effects. Crap. Yeah. They did a lot. That of, makes me appreciate they did some CGI so enhanced stuff for sure. Um, but, but the actual monsters themselves, you know, they, they did do full, regular practical costuming and stuff. And I've heard people say, Oh, it's all CGI that didn't do their homework. Um, cause it's not all CGI. They actually did a really, really, really badass job. With and doing I some love, kick-ass I admire effects. that and love that. Yeah. Which is like that pan's labyrinth thing too, right? Oh, you know, that, 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 that see, pan, del, del it was that pan's labyrinth feel mm-hmm. that with the creatures, um, that texture, they did a badass job, badass job. And I think that that has to do that him choosing to do, practical effects versus um, CGI 
is a, a del Toro move. Oh, for you sure. Know? Yeah. Because and I don't know how much I'm sure he was. I don't know. He wasn't how hands-on he was with all of it, but I'm sure he, you know, as a producer, he was there. But there is that texture that. to his work. Sure. You know, so we've got our, our cast of characters. We've got Stella, who's our kind of our main character. She's our horror nerd and writer. Stella! And I liked her a lot. She she reminded me of me. She's a writer and she's, you know, she was she had all of these awesome And you were born a beautiful young woman. Horror posters. I was born a beautiful young girl in Mill Valley, Pennsylvania. You didn't know that? I'm sorry. Um and so she's kind of Should our horror. Nerd that she's, marital counseling. She's our son. I don't even know you. And then we have her father, who's like a workaholic, probably an alcoholic, still mourning that his wife has left him. Uh, we've got Augie, who's our who's comic uh, relief. Hey yo, um, Ch- and Chuck. Well, Chuck was our wise ass. Oh, Chuck, so Chuck, Chuck was, was our the wise ass. ass. He was the motor mouth wise ass. Augie was the the Piero clown. Okay, uh, that, that that makes sense. And then we have Ruth, who's Chuck's older sister, um, who's kind of a spider bitch. face. Um, and then Tommy Milner, who's her sociopathic, like date boyfriend uh jock guy and then we have ramon our out of towner like draft dodger mysterious out of towner draft dodger um and i would say like this movie kind of centers around the concept that stories hurt and stories heal remember they said that in the beginning Mm -hmm. i think that was kind of the 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 what's the word i'm looking for thesis of the movie yeah, it was the narrative. It was the right. string that tied everything together. And it was set during a time that was very tumultuous yeah. in America. Right. There was a lot of racial tension. So 1968, of- uh, Vietnam's in full swing. Uh, it's election time. Nixon's running. Uh, and it's Halloween. Right. So we start off the movie. Halloween. So there's a lot of scary things going on. And we've got Stella and, and Augie and Chuck. Um, and they are preparing for their Halloween night. And they are apparently going to seek some revenge on some bullies. We're assuming they're bullies. We don't see any kind of lead up to it. We just know that this Tommy guy seems like kind of a jackass. Um, and so they they go and he's fishing. He's fishing turds out of the toilet to put into a bag. Would you say that he's a Cody? He's definitely a Cody. Tommy is definitely a Cody with a C U N T. Definitely. Um, and they they so he's got his flaming bio, pile of shit bag ready to go, and he's got classic. So they throw. They, they go out and they're out Halloween. They see Tommy's car with all of his jock friends or whatever. And, and they throw a bag and of chonies in his, in his car. Well, they didn't know his sister was in there until I after. Know. Um, and then they egg it. They throw a pile of flaming dog shit in the window, which is really dangerous by the way, when there's tons of kids out trick or treating, like throw a pile of dog shit into somebody's car. That is a dead child waiting to happen. Oh yeah. Um, they're lucky when they crashed into that that fence that they didn't kill a bunch of, of little kids. Well, not to mention, not cool, man. Don't fl- do that. Don't do that. Kids. Don't not watch to mention movie and, the flames and the flames. Yeah. And you just lit somebody on fire. Not cool. Don't do that. Um, Tommy probably is justified in being a little pissed <laughs> at this point. <laughs> just a little bit. I think so. Um, so he chases them and they end up at a drive-in by the way. Did you see that there was a double feature playing at the drive-in? I saw, but I didn't so see what. So it was Night of the Living Dead was what they were watching, uh-huh. right? And But it was a double feature. And the second movie was Rosemary's Baby, <gasps> which I always think came out in like 74 or 75, but it didn't. It came out in 1968. It came out oh, the same wow. year as Night of the Living Dead. It was early. Um, So that was the double feature at the drive-in, uh, which would be a really... I always feel like lots of nudity at the drive-in is uncomfortable. And, and why everybody's getting, I know, everybody's getting busy in there. That's true. That's true. That's why, everybody, that's why there's porn drive-ins. Everybody's getting their beef jerkies on. That is true. The beef jerkies. 
What? Their, their hand jibbers on. Hand jibbers. And blow it's, a, jibbers. it's a beef jerky. They're beef jibbers and, and H jibbers. Um, so, 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 uh, which, you know, Hey, I mean, Ramon probably would have enjoyed that. Um, had he not been like 18 and everybody Stella else under like age 15. Cause well, back then it was okay. Cause Stella and Augie and Chuck, uh, hop into Ramon's car. They don't know Ramon, but they're being chased by Tommy. So they hop into his car and they meet Ramon. So we meet Ramon and Ramon's watching Night of the Living Dead. And Stella's, Stella's, um, hops in the front seat. And immediately her and Ramon have kind of a connection. And then Augie and Chuck are in the backseat and Tommy finds them and, you know, bangs on the door. And eventually they start heading out. Uh, Tommy gets chased off by some other people at the, at the theater. We meet Ramon and then Stella goes, Hey, you guys want to go to a real haunted house? And they end up at the Bellows mansion. Dun, dun, dun. So we find out that, there's this kind of mythology or local myth or local urban legend or whatever about the Bellows family and the Bellows family uh, founded the town. They had the mill uh, paper mill or whatever it was. And and they were the ones that, uh, that were the rich family in town. Um, and they had a daughter named Sarah, With a dark secret daughter named Sarah that they, you know, chained up in the basement or whatever, because she know. was an albino. Well, we didn't know that at the time, but yeah, she, you know, the really, she was only just a little bit different. She was, an so albino, they were mistreating someone just because of the color of their skin. That's right. That's and that happened again with Ramon. The soup. That's like super, super white racism. <laughs> Well, I think the whitest of racism. I think it was. And then but we also had a bunch of racist stuff going on with, right. with Ramon, right? We had, we had Tommy, uh, you know, using racial slurs and then we had the cops, you know, this was the six late sixties and we were in small town America. And so that was that they kind of dealt with a lot of that kind of stuff throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we, we get segregation that segregation kind of, and oppression. Yeah. Um, we get a lot of that stuff throughout the movie. It kind of dealt with it. And I kind of, I liked that too for being, a movie that was geared towards kind of the younger age group. It, it kind of went, it went a little bit darker than I thought it would in some of those areas too. Right. Um, which I think is good. Gets people like a good introduction to things um, that, you know, a lot of movies that are geared towards teens and stuff don't dive into. Well, and also it touches on the true horrors of the world, like 18 year olds being sent to war. Right. And, you know, right. Um, unsure of your political leaders, um, how do we say moral fortitude? Yeah, that's a, a really. Some of our political leaders don't have moral fortitude. Oh, I, allegedly. Really? I'm see. Thinking. I always assumed they were the apex of moral fortitude. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so we're in this. So. We're in this haunted house. Weird. Some weird shit happens. Uh, Stella ends up with with her book. With Sarah Bellows has this book where she's been writing these stories and there's all this mythology that kills everyone. There's all this, uh, this, this superstition around her book, right. Or, or whatever, these stories that have gone around town. So, um, Sarah Bellows is not a fan of, of Stella taking her book. No, she was not a fan. Well, understandably, Sarah is not a fan of people in general because people mistreated her. That's because true. She was different. Yeah, but that's not, that's not an excuse. It's not an excuse to start killing people. It's not. She starts is, knocking off kids one at a time now. So all of now, all of Stella's friends start, we, we start getting them knocked off. Have you learned nothing? Hurt people hurt people. It's true. Hurt people do hurt people, but we do have a bunch of deaths. So now Sarah's starting to write her own stories. which Hudson did again. not like. He's not a fan. He was not a fan of the actual deaths. So 
We got our first death as Tommy. We got the famous Harold Scarecrow, which they did a fantastic job. He looked so cool. Um, Chases him around, kills him. In the Tom, Tommy is our one. Tommy is our our jackass, right? Our jackass jock, uh, jackass jock guy. So he's the first guy that dies, and we're like, oh, it's okay. You know, Tommy's that's cool. Um, he gets a pitchfork and starts transforming into a scarecrow, which was really badass. Really cool. Really badass. Um, our second death is Augie. So Augie is they put him in the "Where's My Toe" kind of kind of story, right? Which is based on the big toe, um, but. Interestingly enough, the chick in the illustration that they made into the monster, the mm-hmm. Where's My Toe monster, she was from the haunted house, which kind of encapsulates a little bit more of the whole story. Sure. Um, if you read the haunted house story in, in, in the book. Um, and not really the big toe, but they did a lot of mixing and matching. Um, well, that was supposed to be a Sarah Bellows relative, I, right? I always, I don't know, may have been, possibly. Um but I always had a problem with the big toe story in the book because if you read it, it's like this kid's out in his garden, garden, right? And he finds a big toe and he goes to his parents. He's like, Hey, I found this big toe. And mom's response is it looks nice and plump. I'll put it in the soup and we'll have it for supper. What the fuck mom? Well, there has like, to be something what? wrong with mom. Why would there be a big toe? And because probably mom killed someone and buried you, him in the garden. Think, oh, you think so? Yes. Maybe. I don't know, but dad car, but then dad carves it up into three pieces for the family to have for dinner. Yeah. So parents are murderers and they're like, sweet, we're going to have some body parts for yeah. dinner. Hmm. Still, that's some big, but fuck also on me. what I noticed about the movie. And I think what we find out at the end is that the stories that Sarah wrote, the stories that are coming alive were stories that she wrote with members of her family in them. So who we see because they were the ones who died who, is members of her family. So the big toe is where did you get like, that from? She, they say it at the end. Did um, and, and when, um, the ghosts are all standing in the house, you see them all and you see them. Yeah. But that's in, in, one, the, in the house, but not the, not the creatures that come after yes, them. You, see, part of the you see them in one flash. You see them as the creatures and then it goes back to the kids and then it goes back really? to I did, Sarah I totally missed that. I haven't seen that anywhere. That's interesting. Off to look. I could fucking be hallucinating it though, too. Like I could be putting that into yeah, my no, mind. No, it, it makes sense. But um, I think that's why. It came but those, from the but those house. creatures though it wouldn't be part of that thing. because those were fa- those were based the creatures were based on the fears of those individuals. So like Augie's was based on, I mean, uh, uh, Chuck's was based on the dream he was having, right? And you know, but that wasn't the fear of of the individual. It was a dream that he kept having. Yeah, but after they went into the house, but look at look at the jangly man in the end, right? You have the jangly man with Tommy or with um, Ramon. That was based on his brother coming back in body parts as, as a, you know, they, he said they sent him back in a, in a box, you know, just in part as parts hmm. from Vietnam. I didn't catch so, that. Um, yeah, that's what, that's why the body kept falling well, apart yeah. and coming back together. Um, so but I don't know. I'll look into that. That's interesting. I, I didn't, I didn't notice that. So certainly possible. Um, but yeah, so Augie's death was pretty scary. That was the first real big jump scare. I thought, I mean, there was one in, in the Herald one, but I thought the really big jump one was when, when Augie was under the bed and, and we think he's popped, got away. The face pops out. Yeah. It builds tension really well. Face pops out. He gets pulled. Hudson did not like his death. In the, in he the cried. floor. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. The nails in the floor. That oh, always gets me. The Every time I see marks. nails in the floor, I always oh. kill me. 
Um, and then we have our third attack, which was Ruth and Ruth was Chuck's sister. She was seen to me, running that into was a, the worst one. Oh, it's bad. She was seen running into a spider web in the bellows house. Um, when they were down and in, in the, the story, it crawls over someone's face, right? Isn't that it just, the story? she just gets, uh, yeah, I think so. I think in, in the story, it might in the actual story in the book, but when Ruth's case, she ran into a spider web in the bellows house. And then we started seeing this little like pimple pop up on her face and it just gets bigger and bigger. Isn't that a pimple? There's things moving inside. So <laughs> she finally, she's, she's got this big old thing, but she's got a school play that she's supposed to be in. And so she's, she's at the high school and she runs into the bathroom and try to pop this breakout. thing and it's, and it's just massive, right? This thing is it's just pulsing, pulsating, which was literally. the grossest part. Um, did not like this scene. Did not. When she popped it. Obviously we know the, the spiders just whole lot of nope went everywhere with baby spiders. You felt like you had spiders on you. I did. Even after you were movie. like, oh, I feel like I have spiders on me. Yeah. Did not like the scene. Uh, Ruth should have been burned. We should just burn her. Burn the school down. Burn her. Burn the school down. Sorry I think for that's your a good loss. Idea. Good goodbye. <laughs> See you later. Fuck she you. had spider nest in her face. I don't like it. Not a fan. Um, but she didn't die. She was alive. So she she, she got water splashed on her. And so he, while all this is going on, it attacked her looks. These these books are going. Or the the book the Cerebello's book keeps writing in the stories. Right. So in the blood. stories are filling in um, as these things are happening. So we know that everybody who was in that house is, is fair fair game, right? It's like final destination. It is like final destination. And Chuck is next. So we got our, our wise cracking. No, Chuck. Chuck. Chuck was so um, funny. They're all going together. They go to a mental health hospital because they're like, we got to figure out what's going on here. Because that's gotta, where you go when you got to figure out what's going on. Always got to go to the mental health hospital because we know she ended up there eventually. And number one, they like snuck in and I was like, that facility should be fined for PHI and HIPAA Just breach HIPAA, it. Like they good. should not be able to run around like it's several doctors like that. It's you can't good. do that. They don't even have a visitor pass. They have not signed any waivers. Yeah. Where's the waivers? Not cool. Waivers. So they sneak in. They, they, they need to go find, they need to go find the truth, right? What happened to Sarah Bellows? So they need to go to the red room. Which well, it was like the research and something, something, something. It's the file room. It was the file room. Which Um, again, the old file room. And in case any of you are mental health professionals or work in the field, you would know that any sort of uh, medical or mental health information has to be locked up behind two sets of locks. And there was only one behind that door in the red room. There should have been two. Another fine. Shame. 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 You need to shut this place down. Shut it down. But also because they, you know, they've got records of torturing children. You know, that was next. <laughs> that was going to be so my they next found, screen. So, so Ramon and Stella get separated from Chuck. Chuck's now, of course, freaking out because he knows he's next. He starts going out. He's in a the creepy halls. mental health hospital hallway. But meanwhile, Stella and Ramon are are digging into the files, and of course, they find the file instantly. And they, which in this like millions and billions of files and they find, and they find the cylinder, this, this, uh, wax is everything wax, that they need. wax cylinder. Speaking of wax cylinders, by the way, I was like, I think it's, isn't that what it was? A wax cylinder. The original, like little circular thing that they played the, the Something sounds like on. That, yeah. Um, I think that's what they're called. But anyways, I looked, I looked up wax cylinders and I found a, they just recently uncovered wax cylinders of a doll that Thomas Edison created that, had a wax cylinder inside of it of, of some kind that, that you could, so it was like the first talking doll 
and they have audio recordings of it. And it Creepy. is the creepiest fucking shit you've ever That's heard. That's horrible. And apparently he only made them for like three weeks because when because people were so creepy. Because out by Uncanny them. Valley. They did not like them. Yeah. Kids were not a fan. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Mommy, I don't like it. Um so yeah, so then we we've got we've got Chuck, uh we've got them finding out this this wax cylinder which which they put it uh, uh, somehow ramon knows how to play these and he puts it on a little player and we hear sarah talking being interviewed or talked to by her brother who is a doctor um and he's trying to again he's trying to that is a violation of the not yeah of our clause of doing right by a client we're not supposed to see family members or people that we could have dual relationships with again plot holes now you see why I didn't like the movie. So yeah, that's not that's not uh, HIPAA approved. No, that's it's not, not quality approved. care. Nope, nope, not at all. Um, so his so brother so the the Bellows family is trying to implicate Sarah in some deaths of some children uh, that have happened in town because of their mercury poisoning uh, of the water. Uh, this is where the plot breaks down a little bit. What? This is where <laughs> the plot, this? the, the storyline, not the strongest. They could have done a better job linking some of this storyline together. And I'm kind of hoping that they come out with like a four hour version um, <laughs> in the extras. Like it should have been a series um, on Netflix because there was, there was a lot of things that they could have streamed together a lot better. Um, and it seemed like they edited, they had to edit out a bunch of shit that could have made the story a little bit richer, you know, um, so it was a little bit lacking in that department, but anyways, we've, we've, we, we hear Sarah Bellows getting electroshock, you know, or electroshock therapy. And by the third time or so she gets shocked, her voice changes. And all of a sudden she's like a different person and she's creepier. And she's like, yes, I did kill those children. Is that what you want to hear? You know, that kind of thing. Inconsistent. Um, <laughs> so and then we have, so then we have Chuck and Chuck's running through the halls, right? While this is going on, Chuck's trying to get the hell out of this mental health hospital. Cause he's like, some shit's about to go down and I don't like it. Cause I'm the next one on the list. There's that Vegas nerve response. Not good. Um, and so he comes down a hallway, everything turns red and cause you know, that's good. We see Pillsbury dough girl at the end of the hall she right? from the dream. Smiles. Perfect, perfect, perfect illustration of the dream. Or uh, characterization of of the illustration from uh, the dream, the dream in the book. Um, great job! And she starts waddling down the corridor, uh, heading towards him. And he goes down another hallway, and she's at the end of that hallway. Goes down another hallway. She's at the end of that hallway. Um, this was one of the more fun, like suspense building. Um, but I'm I'm kind of with Hank on this one that I kind of laughed at. It. it was fun um, because she's such a funny looking character. Well, like, she's got a such big a great smile job. on her face. And... Yeah. It's super, 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 uh, Hudson thought it was the scariest part. I thought it was actually the kind of the more funniest, funnier life, lighthearted part. Well, Cause then he gets like absorbed. Well, yeah, he goes right into her jello belly. Like her she's belly got jello? like, she's got like a, like, like a, like a, like a jello pudding pop, uh, belly. You know what she reminded me of? What? The nurse balloon from big hero six. <laughs> there was a gelatinous character in monsters inc mm-hmm. right yeah that like things could just go into like yeah get sucked into yeah that uh, that was what it reminded me of um 
So caught him, enveloped him. Chuck's dead. Well. Chuck's RIP. Maybe. He's inside. We know. He's inside of her belly. Mm-hmm. He's so loving. Inside of Pillsbury ghost belly. Um, and then we, we get to our climax now. And Ramon is, is, is Ramon and, and um, Stella end up getting arrested. What did they get arrested for? I can't remember. Why did he pick them up? On suspicion because of the missing per- persons or something, maybe because they were plot hole. All I heard was plot hole, plot hole, plot I don't hole. remember. We're anyway, they end up getting hole. arrested. And uh and while they're in jail for the night with the sheriff, uh we are introduced to a new creature that's not an illustration, um, but kind of based on a few different stories from the book, uh, called the Jangly Man. And the jangly man is Ramon's fear. It's his deep seated dark fear. Um, and it's based definitely based on the fact that they sent his brother home in, in pieces is what he sure. said. So now we've got this body. Um, it's based on me, Dodie Walker, which uh, one of the ones it's based on, which is basically the story of a, of a head that comes down a chimney and rolls down in the floor and the dog talks back and forth with the thing. And then the head comes down um, and it's saying me, Tidoti Walker and all this stuff. So that's where it comes from in the book. Um, but it actually comes from probably from a couple of different ones. Aaron's Kelly, Aaron Kelly's bones, um, is one of the stories. And what did you come for? So probably a combination of those three. If you read those three stories, that's kind of where these, I think that's where they got this jangly man hmm. idea from. Um, but this is Ramon's monster. And so monsters chasing him, tries to get through the bars, Somehow him and Stella get, get out. Uh, oh, this is after he breaks the neck of the sheriff. Yeah. The jangly, the sheriff man, didn't last jangly man broke the neck of the sheriff, which I thought was pretty intense for pretty brutal for that movie. It was pretty brutal. There was a couple of scenes that were pretty, it actually took, it, it went darker than I thought it was going to go in a couple of different, uh, at a couple of different times, um, which is pretty hardcore, you know, I think for, for, for a movie that was, it was pretty fucking know, metal. Yeah, it was, it was gnarly. Um, Somehow they get out and, and this jangly man creature, which is all separated, you know, it, it, it basically is like pieces and then it comes together and, and makes this monster, but the pieces can, can break off and then come back together. And, you know, you get an arm that falls off it can come back on. So Ramon pins the jangly man, uh, between his car and a bus or something or another car and manages to escape. And so, we see at the end, right, that they've they've somehow Stella has convinced Sarah Bellows that she needs to not kill people anymore. Real quickly convinced her too. Bad idea. Don't kill people anymore. Like be she cool. Should, she should become. Stop being such a vengeful bitch. We know bad shit happened to you. I'm going to help you get through this. So cut it out. Are we cool? We're cool. And then a loud scream. Very loud. The kids all like, <laughs> were like grab their ears. My ears are terrible. I don't scream. It was really loud. It was a really loud scream. Um and then that's then that's the end, right? And Stella sees Ramon off on a bus because we found oh we found out he was a draft dodger. We didn't bring that up. He was a draft dodger, gets gets on the bus, they send him on his way. Confronts his fear. He confronts his fear. Um Although there's a lot to, you know, there's kind of that subtext of real life fear. Mm-hmm. 
um, mixed with this, you know, this, this is all set during a time of a lot of turmoil. And, you know, I, I sure he did that on purpose because um, <laughs> of our current times. Um, and we see his genuine fears, right? The fear of I'm going to end up like my brother who was killed mm-hmm. in Vietnam and this whole war that is being sent, you know, we're being sent to by our military and, or by our government. Um, so, and then as a sequel teaser at the end, right, we've got the, where they're driving away, dad's driving the car, Stella's in the front seat and Ruth, Chuck's sister's in the back seat, um, with her face all bandaged up. And then we, she says something about how she's going to, you know, they're going to figure out how to, how to bring Augie and, and Chuck back. But not Tommy. Fuck him. Sequel teaser. Fuck him, right? Fuck that guy. Fuck Tommy. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. You're cool. Fuck you. Yeah, it's kind of messed up. They're like, let's bring Augie and Chuck back, but fuck Tommy. Yeah, that guy was a jerk. <laughs> Don't be a jerk in horror movies then. Um, but this, you know, I really thought they did a, a great job of getting the, just the, the ambiance of what this book you know, kind of the feel of how this book felt mm-hmm. when you're the texture it. of as it, a, when you're reading it as a kid, it, it felt like the book read to me. Um, and I don't, I know a lot of people didn't love it. Um, but I think kind of looking at it as what it was, which is, and I, I'm a sucker for jump scares too. I fucking love jump. There scares. was a lot I really of do. I love jump scares. I don't care what anybody says. I don't, you know, people have been calling them cheap jump scares. I don't call them cheap jump scares. I fucking love a good jump scare. I think they're, they're, they're awesome. Like, and, and watching the boys with jump scares is a blast. It's so fun. Just watching other people in general, like watching people in the theater was so much fun. I am a fan. So I liked it. I thought it was a good movie. Um, I know that was kind of a long synopsis. Um, oh, and spoiler alert. <laughs> a little late. Is it too late for that? A little late. Well, if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you should know. It's all a big spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was... Uh, that was, and I think that's such a great fear of fear movie because it really was the first like introduction to, to scary shit. Well, and it was a lot of lot like of, running of away from your own fears and, you know, things that were unaddressed and just all these other things. Um, yeah. yeah. It brought up a lot of, uh, references back to the book too. Yeah. Um, like the black dog that kept showing up. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a story called the black dog. Um, Sam's pet was yeah. one of her stories. Um, remember she said, mm-hmm. or he, I don't remember what it was. I think they were reading through her, her stories. Um, Stella's Stella's stories, the ones that right. she had written. Um, so there's a bunch of those real, and then in, in the Sarabello's book, there's a lot of the, when they're looking back through the book, all the stories are obviously the ones from the actual book. Of course. Um, which is cool. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun movie. And I, re- I highly recommend it. I give it, I give it, uh, I give it four out of five stars on, on, uh, my, uh, What's that? Letterbox account. I give it 2.5 screams. Yeah. You weren't that, you weren't as big of a fan. Well, mostly because of the psychological inconsistencies. <laughs> Very inaccurate. You're a psychological inconsistency. Your face is a psychological Your inconsistency. Butt's a psychological inconsistency. Your mom's a psychological inconsistency. All right. So we actually got through an episode so close to the other episode. We've got coming up, we are going to do Fear of Clowns very soon. So be prepared for that one. Um, we watched be, Gacy because we did watch Gacy recently. Um, but we are, uh, we're probably gonna do that the week that it too comes out. So it comes out on September 6th. 
So I think that episode will drop on September 9th. But next week, <coughs> if we stay on this one week track, which we hope to do, um, we will get uh, uh, another episode in. And I want to do Fear of Caves uh, next. Fear of Caves or Tunnels. So we can do The Descent. Because it is a great movie. You've never seen it, and it's creepy as fuck. Yeah, I don't think I want to. Um, and I think it'd be a, a, a good time to do Fear of Caves or Tunnels um, with uh, with The Descent being our feature presentation. So I'm afraid of feeling. Look forward to that. Such a badass movie. Um, but And we may need one one more between now and Fear of Clowns. So we'll figure it out. We'll have to figure out another one. Throw out your suggestions, people. You figure it out. Figured it. Figured it. Figured it. Um, but yeah, so our scary stories episode, fear of fear. Fear of fear. <laughs> you had to get it in, didn't mm-hmm. you? <laughs> Has come to a close. Uh, and so hopefully we'll have another good week. Here's to a good week for everyone. We need a good week and you all need a good week. Thanks for listening, Feardos. And until next time. Stay afraid. Stay very afraid. Well, I got a trombone with a rusty bell. Got a fine warm who plays it well. When she's blowing, how I yell, blow that rusty trombone. She grabs my horns, my delight. Knows just how to blow it right. But you all so day or night when she blows that rusty trombone. When I pull out my instruments and fiddle by her side. Such a sweet accompaniment. She grabs me by my pride. And she's a big bottom blower. I'm a fast place hugger. We do it. She's just a low-down sucker. Her mouth to the piece. Her lips to a bucket. She blows that rusty trombone. Blow, baby, blow.